0: Very warm welcome to another episode of the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shilat, and I am delighted to say I've been joined again by Varun Vasudevan. How are you, Varun?
1: I'm good. Uh, Thanks for asking. And yeah, all good this side. And another doom and gloom episode, I guess, is on our way after the last one.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure you'll enjoy it because it's not Manchester United for once. Um, And we are also joined by Alex Barker. How are you, Alex?
2: I am good, thank you. I'm excited to talk about another failing big club.
0: Yeah, it's your favorite pastime, isn't it? Um, mm. well, look, I mean, I, I'm I'm quite with you on that. So let's <laughs> dive straight into the episode. Of course, we're talking about Barcelona today. The big news that broke about a week ago, as we record this, was that Xavi would leave uh, at the end of the season. Um, after what will it will be about three years in charge? And obviously, the big news, or rather, the big implication for Barcelona is that they have to find a replacement. So, our main agenda today is going to be to go through a long list of a potential replacements um, because, I mean, all the names that we could come up with do have some pros and cons. So, we'll uh, take a deep discussion through those. But before that, obviously, it's worth understanding where it went wrong for Xavi and what the issues are that whoever the replacement is, will have to sort out. So, obviously, as, as is almost always the case in most uh, such such situations, a part of it is down to the manager, the coach, and some tactical issues. And a part of his lack of success, let's say, is also down to some other behind-the-scenes issues uh, at the club. So, let's begin by talking about Javi. Um, an, what do you think has gone wrong for him this season, tactically? Because obviously, they won the league last season. Do you think the signs were there that that you know this sort of a, a drop-off was coming? Or, or do you think he changed something this season which didn't work?
1: Um, no, I think it's largely been similar tactics. And I think the signs were there. I mean, if you remember, the, the three of us did a La Liga preview at the start of the season, right? And it was pre-season going on. And we, we were not so crazy on Barcelona winning the league. And... We even predicted that their defensive side, especially their transition defense, would let them down. So, it's kind of how it's played out. Uh, a little worse than either of us imagined, I guess. But that's kind of how it's played out because if I'm looking at their stats, I actually like the look of their attack. They have the highest non penalty XG in the league. All their attacking metrics like passes into the final third, the creativity metrics, all of them are pretty good. They're all 1, 2 or max 3. Um, the one glaring thing in the attack is, and this is where we get to one of the issues with the Barcelona squad right now. Uh, Lewandowski is a bit of an issue. His drop-off has been massive. He was pretty decent for them for a while. But this is finally the season where the decline has started. And if you look at his shooting stats, he has 9 goals from 12.7 expected goals. But an XGOT, which is XG on target or also called post-shot XG of 9.6. Which means his shooting placement and technique is bad. So just to explain a bit more on that, if your XGOT is less than your XG, it means you're not placing your shots well or no, you're not executing your shots well. And there's almost a difference of three uh when it comes to the XG and XGOT for Lewandowski. And that's the reason why he has only nine goals. So these are the kind of things that are dragging them down in attack. I do feel there are a lot of personnel issues. The Joa Felix loan was also, it was a little random. They tried something out of it, but you can't say it's really worked out. Um, they lost Usmani Dembélé and Rafinha stepped up in terms of uh, creativity. Then they've had injuries in the front line. So a lot of the issues in attack... I don't think are tactical. I think Javi setting up the team well, entering the final third repeatedly, creating nice chances with cutbacks and repeated patterns. But a lot of it is personnel related. So I think largely attack-wise, Javi did well. But the next manager has some issues in terms of squad. Like who's the next striker now? And do they have money to get a striker? Strikers are expensive. So those are some big questions. Defensively though, I would go back... Uh, to javi because there are lots of issues and we said this before too um i mean just one look at the stats and you have some glaring issues they um, they, they're conceding a lot of uh, big chances um, especially on the transition if you look at the short distance they are allowing their opponents they are fifth closest in La Liga. So, only the relegation teams and Sevilla, because it's Sevilla, the three relegation teams in Sevilla are worse than them. After that, it's Barcelona. So, opponents are taking shots from very close by. And we know what this means, right? Um, The few transitions that they're conceding, it's not many, by the way. They're allowing only, they're allowing the least passes into the final third in the league. So, it's not many, but the few that they're conceding are very close to goal. And opponents are getting good quality chances, which immediately goes back to a Uh, transition defense uh, issue and this is where I think tactically Javi has been a little naive the way they set up their as defense is not great they are sometimes very open they're sometimes very disorganized it's you can't really call it a 3-2 or a 3-1 structure lots of times it's like a 2-2 or three players are pushed up very wide and high they try to play super high on the halfway line and Then in-possession stuff also contributes to the bad rest defense. Sometimes they're too vertical. They lose the ball early because they try a switch way too early in build-up or they try a long ball after a bit of frustration in terms of build-up and then they immediately concede a transition. Then there's also a whole matter of profiles. Uh, They didn't really replace Busquets well. Oriel Romu came in, but he's not like... He's not... Uh, at a superb level and then he's also not played lots of games. I mean, lots of games, Frankie De or Gundogan have been the deepest player in midfield and that is just not good rest defense. Like, someone posted a compilation of Frankie De not tracking runners while playing number six. I mean, that's not his role. That's not his job. Which goes back again to profiles and personnel. They haven't got the right profiles in midfield. Too many creative eight types. Not enough shielding or positionally aware defensive types. Um, Araujo has also missed a big chunk of the season. And last year, he was really good in mopping up a lot of these transition defense issues or man-marking the main threat in transition. And they were somehow getting by with that. So that's also not happened this this year. So yeah, I mean, overall, I would say Javi tactically in attack was good. Defensively, he had a bit to learn. And I think that goes back to him being a young man and just needing time. But then, yeah, the way they build their teams, the way Barcelona have done a bad job of building their team, the personnel that they have, really hasn't helped him. And then the whole media pressure and everything that he cited, it just got to him. And he probably just needed to stick to the job for a while more, but it seems like that's not possible for him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a spot on analysis of uh, Xavi's issues. And I'd also add that his... I think tactically, he's pretty... I mean obviously rest defense is a big issue, but strictly from a like attacking possession play uh point of view, I think tactically he's pretty polished. But when it comes to defending, not just rest defense, but even like settled defense, his defensive organization is very incredibly basic. I think that's something he really needs to work on. Because like out of possession, Barcelona like it's always just like a plug-and play, four four one one, four four two type player-oriented block. And then there's I never see any like opposition-based tweaks or anything. It's just, you know, striker chase the centre-backs and number 10 on the defensive midfielder and then just player orientation everywhere. And I, I, if you saw the Super Cup final against Real Madrid, how they just absolutely tore through them right through the middle with their rotations. It, it really highlighted to me another big issue which Xavi has to face. So yeah, I, I do think, also another thing, I think he's he's done a not very he's done a great job or i mean i mean la masia forces him to do a great job of you know bringing in young players but he's not managed them well at all like pedri gavi they've all been run to the ground balde now injured um so i think there's there's that's a, that's a really important point that the next manager needs to consider is to obviously bring in these young players because they're so good i mean even now if you your likes of pau Kubasi, Hector Forth, uh, Mark Gou- uh Gou- all coming through. They're supreme talents, but obviously they need to be managed well. So I think that's a, a couple of other points that um the, the the next manager has to keep in mind. But uh, actually,
1: uh, in a way, I would like liken Javi's level or Arc to Mikel Arteta when he took over. Uh, they were both young managers who needed to learn a bit, and even Arteta initially was a lot more inclined on the possession stuff on the building of the back the attacking patterns and defensively they were a little weak that was one of the reasons they would lose a lot of games and come they came 8th 6th and all i mean i know xavi won the league but that's just the difference in the team quality and the league opposition and things like that uh but then arteta got that time and more importantly got the squad he got his declan rice and all his people and now he's like one of the best out-of-possession managers almost in in Europe, right? And it took a bit of time. It took four, five years, and it took a bit of squad building and support from the board. I just think Javi somewhere was uh, at that level, and he probably needed that solid three, four, five years to work on these issues, become defensively good, and also keep getting the players that make sense for his style of play. So it needed that kind of... uh, slow rebuild and supportive rebuild for him if he was ever going to make it. It was never going to be a... You know, in one or two years, he's the treble aiming Barcelona like Gaudela was. Like, Gaudela was a very very unique case. So, uh, yeah, I I just think Javi hasn't got that time, that support and just that learning curve that a young manager needs.
0: Yep, that's fair. And the, the point here is about squad building I think ties nicely into our next point, which is the fact that they can't do a lot of squad building. Um, because behind the scenes, uh, it's it's not a great time at Barcelona, is it, Alex?
2: Yeah, it's not. Uh, I don't think they could do any squad building, to be honest. They just need to, as you guys are saying, it'd be great to bring through young players. I think that's their only option. Um, Obviously, caveats aside, I'm not a financial expert. I just read a, a few articles on it this week. And um, basically, last season, or this season rather, La Liga slashed their salary limit from £648 million uh, to two hundred and seventy million. Uh, and Barca are, are over that, and I think they've. I think I read somewhere they're like the most highest salary bill in, in football still. Um, so what they have to do is basically make cuts before they register any new players. That's best epitomized by the fact that uh, Vitor Roque, uh, who was signed, he, he was officially signed last summer, and then his move was bought through to this January uh, after Gavi got injured. He's registered until the end of the season and now space needs to be made within the salary limit to register him again, even though he's a Barcelona player, even though he has already played for the club. They need to re-register him and that is going to be tricky. Um, Also, uh, people said like, oh, they'll just do a load of levers again. From what I've read, there's just not... well. I don't think they can do levers anymore actually because the reason uh the the changes to the salary limit were made, uh were because in November twenty twenty two the league Clubs voted to limit the use of lever money, essentially, you know, mortgaging and future earnings, um, for current expenditure like transfers and wages to five percent of a club's annual turnover. So even if they can find more levers to pull, it's got a very limited effect of what it can do right now. And the broad point is that those at Barcelona feel that this 2024 summer will be their tightest ever, it seems, because uh, they are just in such a sticky situation. So not only does that limit basically the players you can sign. I mean, it's quite clear this season they didn't spend really big. Bar Vitor Roque, they brought in like Cancelo on loan, Jao Felix on loan, for example. Uh, it also limits the manager they can actually get because... I mean, Neil's Neil's one manager. You can probably guess who's very highly rated, uh, and very young, but he's also bloody expensive. Uh, so it's always no, very, very little chance of getting him. Um, one man not on our list is Jose Mourinho. who has been linked to the job. Um, I'm almost certain if Mourinho goes to Barca, he'll have to like take ten percent of whatever he was on at Roma. Um. 10% is just like an arbitrary figure I've picked out of my head but you get the picture so yeah Barcelona in a very very sticky
0: situation uh brilliant so with that in mind let's dive straight into some of our replacement recommendations um I, after our last episode Varun made a, a great observation discovery which he called what do you call it third choice Neil third pick Neil what was that um, but, third choice but, now yeah third choice, <laughs> basically the the moral of the story was um don't let me have the third choice because it'll be bad so this time they've kindly given me the first choice and i am going uh with all considerations including what alex mentioned uh with michelle who of course is having an absolutely brilliant time right now uh at girona we covered them about a month ago i would say um They're still right at the top. They're just a point of uh, La Liga leaders, Real Madrid, right now. Um, I mean, even if they don't win it, you know, even they look pretty nailed on to finish top four, which is quite incredible when you consider that just two seasons ago they were down in the Segunda División. And as we covered in our episode, while, yes, obviously people will say that they're a CFG club and all that, the the reality is they, they don't get that level of investment. Yes, they do sometimes get players like. Savio and uh, they had uh, Valentin Castellanos but on the whole they they don't get anywhere near the amount of investment which which you see with Manchester City for example so their success is in in a massive part down to the coaching which Michel is doing which is simply sensational he's he's so flexible and obviously he's helped by the fact that he has those flexible players um, especially all over the place so in defense you have your daily brains and Miguel Gutierrez is, who can do all sorts of stuff. I mean, Blind especially he can be a center back, a left back, inverted left back, everything. Gutierrez can be like a, a deeper left back. He can go inside. He can overlap. He can, again, do everything. Then in midfield, you've got, you know, people like Alex Garcia. Um, so uh, again, super versatile, basically can play all over from, he was generally a 10. Now he's been dropped to a six, doing a fantastic job. Uh, and then in attack, you've got these, these ex- super exciting talents, like your Savio and, Dobwek and Sigankov, which we all covered in that episode. But what, what Michel is doing so well is, you know, finding systems and finding ways to put these players together, which almost changes from match to match, depending on the 11 he's got on the pitch and mainly depending on the opposition. So obviously, some of the principles are going are, you know, to be consistent throughout, like, you know, keeping possession, building out through short passing, playing through the middle, um, and then looking for sort of overloads or, or free wingers in the final third um but but the way he does it is is so flexible so versatile and i think that's a a, a very important skill set to have when you're uh, coaching a big club like barcelona which does face a lot of low blocks to, which you need to break down and so i think that that's a big big strong point in his favor and yeah defensively as well since he has been coaching so many of these you know lower table clubs uh, through his career I think he's definitely more polished than Xavi. I, I mean, he's not an expert by any means. I think, Chirona have a pretty mid-table defensive record uh, in La Liga right now. They're they're mainly winning by just scoring double as much as they're conceding, basically. Um, so that's not exactly his strength. But I think he's better than Xavi in that respect. So you know, it, it's 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 an upgrade, so to speak. So yeah, I think on the whole, and then obviously there's the whole with Barcelona. You have to remember that when you're thinking about. Know, replacements which is something we'll again touch on through all our other names is that they obviously one principle they have is you know the playing style philosophy everything which is absolute non-negotiable so you have to play a certain brand of football otherwise you're not going to be a Barcelona coach um and and, and the and then there's also many other things like they obviously prefer Spanish speakers and, and and all that so with all that in mind for me Michel would be uh my first pick but Varun has a problem with that so, Warren, what's your problem, man?
1: I actually think Michel, the boxes he ticks, as you said, are the playing style, the philosophy, attacking. I mean, attack would be glorious. I mean, even better than what Javi has got. Um, and it would be lovely to see all those creative Masia talents like Yamal, Pedri and all of them flourish. So, yeah, I mean, I think that side is pretty good. It's the defensive side. You kind of touched upon it. And I think that was Javi's bane, if you ask me. That was Javi's weak point. And I'm not sure you upgrade on that with Mitchell. I mean, we cover this in the Girona episode. Their rest defense is also weak, their organized block is also weak. I mean, the way Michel attacks is a bit from uh, almost a decade ago. The way he attacks and defends is to play as high as possible, press as much as possible and just hope that's enough and you know we don't have to run back defending transitions. And while some of that will get solved with better personnel because yeah we know Blind and Eric Garcia aren't the best uh, transition defenders in the world. Some of that will be a little better in Barcelona but I don't think it gets league winning better. I mean, all said and done, the whole defense wins you championships or titles logic, I do think it has merit. And attack is something you can still make do with. But being solid defensively, I think, is what uh, gets you titles. It, it's what wins you knock, knockouts and leagues and all. That's the only place where I go. Like, I'm not sure if Michel can be title-winning good if his defensive side is a little weak. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I sort of acknowledge that as well. But I I think, so as you say, attack-wise, he would probably be an upgrade. Um, and then, he, again, he's not the best defensive coach in the world. But I do think, I mean, again, it's not a massively high bar to clear. I do think he's a bit better than Xavi, at least. And then, obviously, as you say, again, with the personnel, um, it gets better. So, but, I mean, it's, it's almost like Michel is a little evolved version of Javi, which as you said at the start isn't very clever because ideally you give Javi time to rebuild and all of that and obviously to improve himself um but since they're not doing that this is almost like you know skipping one or two years of chavi's development and 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 getting in michelle so yeah i mean obviously issues with him certainly um but i think as as we'll go on to see that's the guess for basically all the candidates um, so why 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 don't we go on to our next one now? But um, if not, Michelle, for you, who's your first choice pick?
1: Yeah, so I think my pick is um, a little superior as an all-round package. Um, I'm going for Thiago, Thiago Mota. And we obviously did the Bologna episode and we spoke a lot about him. So I'll just stick to the fitment with Barcelona and kind of counter your Michelle point. Uh, because the out-of-possession stuff when it comes to Mota is pretty good. Uh, in fact, a lot of his problems at Bologna are the opposite of Michel. He's actually really good in controlling games. His build-up variations are superb. lot of build-up patterns. lot of ways to... Promised central progression when playing against opponents. Lot of ways in which to get through the defensive and middle thirds. It's the final third where they're okay. They don't create much. They don't create high quality chances. They don't really invest in those, you know, uh, really good cutbacks or really good through balls that put you one one on one or let you have straight angle shots at goal. So yeah, they do miss a few high quality shots, but defensively they're pretty good. They aren't one of those super high-press, gung-ho, we'll figure out rest defense, it's okay, let's just press high. They, they aren't that type, they almost press in a zonal way and you can almost call them mid-block in some ways, they don't really go crazy high and they're, they're very, very... Uh, good on the rest-defense part. Mota has uh, very good principles when it comes to rest-defense. They are rarely caught out in transition and they have a mix of man-marking and zonal-marking and they execute it really well. Like Defensively, they are one of the best teams in Syria. And my big argument is that mix translates better to a top club because I think the attack part will get sorted with your creative players. When you get top players when you have Rafinha, Petri, all the, Balde, when you have all these guys coming in, they'll figure out the final third part. You know, final third is the least coached, if you if you will. You know, how to get to the final third? I mean, Gaudela has said this, a lot of coaches have said this, how to get to the final third and the structure to protect you when you lose the ball is guaranteed by the coaching. That final one or two passes comes from the creativity of the players, their natural instincts. And I think, with that logic, he'll have enough at Barcelona to cover his final third problem and create good chances. And with his coaching, he'll have enough to cover the rest defense issues, the control issues. You know, all the issues Javi had when it comes to suddenly going vertical or playing long. Uh, Motta's patterns avoid that. They avoid bad ball losses. They promise good central progression through the thirds. So... Yeah, I just think fitment-wise, he solves a lot of issues that the squad has. And the one or two things he doesn't have, the squad will solve for him. So that's why I think if you add both, it it, be, it, it is the best option for me right now.
2: Just one thing to attach to this, because I was watching Belongia last night. Uh, I think one of the problems they've had uh, since I've been watching them is that they... It, it, partly rest defence, just partly structure out of possession uh, when they press or when they're in the final third. The Remo Freuler just kind of gets isolated in the midfield. And yesterday against... Oh, goodness, me, i forgot on the team. Uh, Sassuolo. That is it. Uh, it. It's usually like Motto did like a two-three and have Calafiori the left centre-back and the right centre-back as the two and the three be like Freuler left-back, right-back. He is a really cool yesterday where it was Calafiori stepping into the midfield line, and the left back rotating back into the centre backs, and it was really effective. Like Calafiori is basically a DM and just like mopping up everything, pressing really aggressively, and it made Froiler just it, it protected Froiler so much more and just helped Belongia dominate territory. So that that is just a, another thing I thought of in, which is another development of Motta Maybe puts him right for this job.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the more I think about it, it does make sense. And I was just looking back at his career. So he spent about almost a decade in Spain. Uh, most of it at Barcelona, about a year at Atletico Madrid. So, I mean, obviously he has history with Barcelona. One would imagine he's picked up Spanish. Uh, he has that unfinished country. business. <laughs> that's, the, that's the quote. <laughs> and he has unfinished business. So, yeah, I mean, it. It. I mean, yeah. if they do get him. Uh, I think yeah, it, it it could be a good move for all involved. So that's a good shot. Fair enough. Right, um let's move on to Alex's pick now. He's got an interesting one. Um who who who, who are you going for, Alex?
2: Eman Al Gosil, who I think I mentioned last week. I also think he is the I think he's up there as if Barcelona could pick anyone, he'd be one of the top candidates. And we should put a disclaimer as Farron pointed out before we start recording who was asked about the Barcelona job, he said, I'm happy in Real Sociedad. I want to renew my contract. Um, like, not interested. I, I would counter that and say, that's what basically any manager would say in their job, unless they really want to leave. Uh, is that I'm I'm not willing to write him off yet. And I just think he'd be, I, I think he'd be a perfect fit. I think mean, in possession, Al has been at the helm for uh, six years now, since 2018. Uh, Raul Sociedad uh, are a team that still, like most of the time, we're able to break down opposition teams that sit deep, especially when he's got all players firing. Recently, he's been missing uh, players like Kubo and Oyasabal, so found it a little more tricky uh, to break down opposition uh, opposition blocks. But the rotation is always really nice. I think he's uh, Raul Sociedad, at best, um building up from the back and sort of tra- making an artificial transition where they'll lure the opposition press forward and then using Kubo and like Oyazabal and one of the wide eights like uh, Mendez or Marino that they're able to combine so quickly and just get players running in behind that it, I'd love to see this at Barcelona. I feel like that translates really well. Uh, but as you said, I think in possession is always... It past, I I personally believe in possession tactics to Barcelona it's always just gonna be defined as do you have a game breaker? Because every team's gonna sit deep against you. Do you have someone who could break games? If not, more most of the time you're gonna get like you're gonna miss out on ten points a season compared to if you had a Messi, for example, right? So I think that's always gonna be somewhat player driven. I think out of possession, Alguacil will be perfect. The Ralph Sossiad had one. Has coordinated teams in the league in terms of pressing. Al, as, as I said, I've been that for at least like two, three years as well. I'd say uh, he, he, he's moved with the game. I think he's evolved with the game, um, and I think they're, they, like, just looking at my notes, I think they're generally very secure. Like transitioning from the press and getting back into their block as well. Uh, I also think they sometimes will mix up depending on the opposition. Um I think it was against Villarreal, where they went a, a bit more man oriented and that was quite cool. Uh so yeah, a bit out of possession, that'd be great. And also I think i just want to bring up his track record for improving players because again I'm pitching alguacil as the guy to come in with little backing, as I said, little financial room and immediately get things going. Like Kubo i, I Kubo's rebuilt his career under uh I alguacil mean, Alguasil, Zubamendi was brought through under him from the youth teams and has turned into, I'd say, one of Europe's best defensive midfielders. Uh, Brandon Mendes arrived from Salto Vigo and has like turned into one of La Liga's best midfielders, as is M- Mikel Moreno. Um, I didn't do the background check on him, but I believe he arrived under Al or at least around the time, and he's definitely improved the last couple of years. Like, I think uh Gossil, he comes in and he'll platform players like Petri, Garvey, Yamal and Rafinha, because uh, his tank kind of suits wide-wingers, he'll platform these guys, and uh, they will see big improvements. And I think maybe, with also I think it'd be a floor raiser uh, and a partial ceiling raiser.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say I really like this shout. I mean, if our uh, previous ones, Mitchell, was a little more, attack heavy and Mota was a little more defense heavy and has to figure out attack. Algasil sounds like the guy who's figured out both. I mean, I love both sides of the game. They have such good in-possession control and variations. They have so many good out-of-possession options, both in pressing and in defensive organization. He just feels like he has the right mix. And just to add to Alex's point, all of their metrics are top three in La Liga. Like, it's just Madrid or Barcelona who are 1st or 2nd or Max and Atletico here and there. All of their metrics are in the top 3. And they're doing all this while having guess where they rank in terms of wage bill in La
2: Liga. August 9th. 8th
1: okay both of you are good at this ninth uh yeah (laughs) alex wins by a hair so yeah i mean they're doing all this with a low wage bill their wage bill is 862 um, euros per week by the way and barcelona is 5k so it's like almost whatever five six times it's like crazy um but yeah i mean um i think it's a really good pick that's a good one alex
0: yeah, and, and also one thing to add, which I really love about al is his rest defense, which, as we said, was one of the biggest issues for Javi because I love the use of his fullbacks, um, and the, they always do contribute to that attacking play, but then, depending on the opposition, depending on what sort of wingers um, he's up against, thanks to whoever that was, um, depending on what sort of uh, wingers he's up against, uh, he he sort of alternates how high they go up or, or how narrow or how wide they are and with that his rest defense is just super super solid so I think that's another uh, aspect where he does improve Barcelona so actually you know to be honest the more I think about it I think Alguazil is the best uh, of these three shots uh, as you said Varun, what I will say though to, to the point that Alex made at the start which is uh, about his sort of press conference thing is that I think the 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 yeah, you know, typical media answer would be, "I am happy where I am, um, and I don't know about the speculation." But Alguacil said, "I am happy where I am. I want to renew my contract, and I have to earn it." Again,
2: so, I, I think that's what you say, Raul Sociedad, because he's cold. Like he's, it's not like he's a motto where he spent a couple of years at Bologna. I think six years at Raul Sociedad. You've yeah. got to, you've got, you've got to make it a nice, a nice departure. Plus, like, I mean, I I also and, think
1: Sociedad does that to you I mean even Zubi yeah, exactly. recently yeah spoke about how he's never going to Barcelona or something I mean you, you never know leave basically. any of them it's might free. but it's just it, it it takes a lot of convincing to leave a place like Sociedad it seems like that from the way yeah, people it's talk
2: true. it's almost just like it's one of the most likable clubs in La Liga and exactly. if, if they could if they could pay and if they had the history you'd much rather stay there than any other club than Barcelona around Madrid
0: yeah, that's that's fun, uh, and also one thing I sh- I'll add, which is true of uh, almost all the candidates we'll discuss, is that I think this is one of the worst times ever, maybe to go to Barcelona, because there's just so many problems. As as you know, Alex highlighted with the finances, behind the scenes stuff, just generally around the club. The fans are not happy. I mean, you know, when when a club legend like Xavi can't handle the pressure, can't survive in the pressure. Um and obviously he has all that sort of the extra legend shield and all that Um for any manager going there is is a massive risk so if I'm Alguacil I'm having a great time at Sociedad doing really well consistently getting in and around the Champions League spots I, I don't see I mean sure they'll pay me maybe three Listen, times more it's
2: got to be you know I asked my landlord to increase my rent. And that's how much I believe in my hustle and grind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the sort of guy I'll go. there. I got. He doesn't strike me as that sort of guy. He, he uh, but uh, I mean, who I, knows? But, yeah, I, I, mean, yeah, but I, I do think yeah, I he's think, the best option for Barcelona. I don't think I Barcelona think, uh, is the best option for him.
1: I think all three managers can ask themselves this. Like, Michel can <laughs> uh, say, "Why should I leave Girona for Barcelona today?" I mean, Girona top four or at least you know a club why why don't i build something yeah algos can ask the same thing mata is getting offers from yeah i think mata
0: is the most likely in this respect but but
1: he's also getting milan or juventus or something like that very soon so he's
2: the most likely but in in some respects he's the most at risk like algos has six years real him. he's good michelle like you know everyone's heard what he's done with girona if mata leaves Bologna after you know season sure they get champions league europe league football Them crashes and burns at Barca. that's a that's setting them backwards i think this is a good transition into avoiding please avoid the pun our third choice candidates (laughs) um because these are now we're getting to the point where we go right why would anyone move to barcelona considering the state they're in
0: yep that's i think that's quite right so let's let's go on to our other picks which we have a fairly long list of um i think yeah as, as you said so these three are the top ones clearly if Barcelona can't get them, it's time to look elsewhere. The one big name that stands out, which Alex alluded to earlier, is Julian Nagelsmann. I think, I think honestly, Nagelsmann is almost a good fit for any club. Uh, I remember I was quite keen on him being a potential Carlo Ancelotti replacement at Real Madrid when he was linked to the to leaving and going to the Brazil job. I honestly, I mean, you could honestly put Nagelsmann's name on any job because he's so flexible, so adaptable. Um, he can do a job anywhere, but obviously the one problem with him, as Alex said, is finances. He's gonna ask for a lot of money, which personally don't have, and the other also is pressure, um, which which I sort of alluded to earlier. And obviously Nagelsmann didn't have the best of times at Bayern, um, with various off-field issues, uh, more than on-field, I'd say. Um, and obviously I think we I think Alex also recently joined our camp of, uh, I shouldn't have sacked Nagelsmann. Um, <laughs> so welcome along, Alex. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I think from Nagelsmann's point of view as well, after being sacked by Bayern, regardless of how good or badly they played, after being sacked, this would again be a massive risk. So, I, I think mean, this one they,
1: they have to answer whether they like him coming in a skateboard to work. Yeah,
0: so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a real question. Uh, so yeah, I think th- this one, there's uh, sort of issues from both sides. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if it happens, I don't think it'd be. And maybe too bad, but I just don't think it's likely to happen. Uh, any any more thoughts on that?
2: No, no more thoughts, yeah. I think yeah, Barcelona can't afford him and Nagelsmann just, he wouldn't, why would he go? <laughs> he's, yeah. he's got his career on the line.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right, uh, then let's go on to the next one. Uh, a fellow German uh, manager, uh, in fact his predecessor, wasn't he, at the national team, Hansi mm. Flick. Uh, he's out of job now. Uh, he's waiting for something to fall his way. Do you guys think he should bite at the Barcelona offer? Uh,
2: I don't care. I'm just happy to say that, like three, two, no, three years ago, before uh, after the Euros of twenty twenty one. Uh, I I was asked to rank international managers, and I put Gareth Southgate like five or six places above Hansi
0: Flick. Wait, wait, and who I was asked you l- rank international managers? I don't know Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, why was Neil
1: invited?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was ranked international managers, and I put Hansi Flick many places below Gareth Southgate, and got like a whirlwind of backlash. And I tell you what, look how well that has aged.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Alex getting international football tech right is. Yeah, quite something. So, fair enough. Um, I mean,
1: um, I think given how our discussion is going, if everyone's rejecting Barcelona, there's a very real chance they hire Hansi Flick. And I'm on board with Alex on this one. I don't think it will be great. Um, I mean, in international football itself, the issues were apparent. And I only see them multiplied and being worse at club football. I know he he was decent at Bayern. But not... not without issues, you know. not without tactical issues. I mean, again, defensively, rest-defense-wise, Hangeflik is not great. I mean, Barcelona are not going to... They, they're probably going to have it worse in, in terms... They, they'd rather just beg Javi to continue. So, But yeah, I mean, the way things are going, if all of these guys just keep saying no and the next ones uh, are, are also not possible, I actually feel it could happen. And if it does, I'm not sure it'll be an upgrade on Javi.
2: Yeah, I mean, my th- my my big problem with Hansi Flick would be, uh, I've got a here of Alex 3.0 and Alex like point five oh takes. Alex 3.0 wow. takes would be, um, so obviously his Bayern Munich season where he won the treble, like, wow, it was very impressive the way that they stormed to the title. I think they would have stuttered had there not been a three-month break for lockdown during COVID-19 and therefore his players uh, wouldn't have had the break they had because we saw in the season after... But he kept demanding this, just in constant pressure, basically like intense pressing from his players. Like they cracked and broke down as the season went on, and then he left at the end of it. Like I, I would love to see the the other reality where Flick has the nineteen twenty season without a break, and and like how his players cope. Maybe they do carry him through, but he, he's a style from memory, just mainly amounted to. Was gonna, it yeah, was very physically demanding. I love um, how
1: Alex is just debating away at treble. He's like, ah, not a bit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like said, it's, it's really, really impressive, but I'm not sure how much it relied on tactics versus like, but by, one, Bayern being the best team in the league anyway, but also to like, like getting them to press hard on anybody else and the correct environment to do that. My Alex 0.50 take is that he's the German reverse Di Matteo. And that, wow. yeah, one <laughs> great season, and and ever since he's never really lived up to that.
1: Thank God for evolution.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow! All right, um, okay, uh, yeah. Let's let's say Hansi flick is a case there. I think that that sums it up um, between Alex three and Alex not five. Uh, we've quite some arguments there. All right, um, Alex, whichever version we're getting for this one, um, you've uh, put Michael Arteta out there. uh we think it's unlikely so for a couple of reasons which we'll outline later but first make your guess
2: yeah i, I also think it's unlikely would be less so than you guys i think i think we all agree arteta looking at what he's done his at arsenal um he'd be a great candidate for barcelona former player uh speaks spanish as well like you know perfect fit plays a similar style of football but just more like he, he's taking more modern principles like a pep guardiola light i guess like he'd be the top class manager for Barcelona looking for. And you can imagine it probably wouldn't be Pep Guardiola wages, for example. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a clear fit. And it's always if he went there, I'd be excited to see what he would do with this Barcelona team. But obviously there are reasons why he wouldn't want to go there, which you two are about to get into.
0: Uh, All right. First of all, on the point of wages, because I think this is actually very relevant as well. Do you know what his current salary is? No, but I'm
2: imagining it's not Pep Guardiola's
0: wages. Yeah, it's not Pep Guardiola's, but in, uh, these are reports from 2022, which is when he got his last contract extension. I think, uh, eight point three million pounds a year. Um, really? So that's not. I mean, that's a lot. That's not I... exactly cheap. But wait, when was that from? Twenty twenty two or three? Surely
2: twenty twenty three. Like twenty like, two, twenty two is when he just missed finishing fifth. A uh, full sorry. Like
0: yeah, there's, there's a couple of articles from twenty two, couple from twenty three. So, but anyway, hey, that, that, that's a really high right paid now. manager, uh, basically, right? Um, but I think uh, yeah. So that's obviously one drawback for Barcelona. Um, then there's the whole issue of. Just generally, like like from his point of view, as he said, just why would you leave? Because like, as Varun said at the start, what Arteta has done, uh, done at Arsenal is basically what Xavi would have wanted to do at Barcelona um, and vice versa. But now that Ardetta has done it at Arsenal and he's like, you know, very close to re- reaching the peak or is at least close enough to the peak, the challenging for the title and back-to-back seasons, why on earth would you leave that like all your hard work when you took them from eighth to the you know title challenging level why would you leave that for what is uh, a crashing ship basically um
2: and i think in- as well it's worth pointing out his most recent experience with barcelona was sport from what i can tell allegedly inventing a story that he oh, yeah, already yeah. agreed to join barcelona and he was probably really upset by that
0: yeah, yeah, his press conference was uh, not... Yeah, and you'd imagine,
2: too. like, that is, that is just a taste of the Barca media circus.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I mean, yeah, like, he, he has the backing of the Arsenal board. As Varun said, he's getting the signings he wants, which he won't get at Barcelona because they don't have money. It, it just doesn't make sense from any angle, to be honest, to, for him to leave. But, I mean, strange things have happened. Lewis Hamilton has joined Ferrari, so who knows? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's it's quite unlikely anyway uh well no more thoughts then we shall head on to yeah, next one uh another name which is yeah i think we got a couple here which were just instantly shutting down um first one is garcia pimienta who wouldn't be very interesting don't get me wrong uh if you haven't uh, uh watched las palmas then please correct that immediately and i think maybe we should have a, an episode on them sometime soon too because they are sensational um I don't remember, yeah, I think it was on this podcast preseason, or certainly at some podcast preseason. I uh, one of my La Liga hot takes was that Las Palmas would finish in the top half. And let me tell it you, it was this podcast. Very and good, I remember right Remember you now.
1: saying it, and good job.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's looking great right now. Um, they 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 do play, especially in the Segunda Division last season. They played some fantastic, eye catching, possession based football, which you you expect from the Barcelona style, and that's because Garcia Pimienta was in fact at barcelona for quite a few years i think he spent about six years there um and he was he spent about three years in charge of the b team and then when laporta came in he was sacked fired forced out something basically uh and it was mainly for sort of you know political reasons where laporta wanted someone that he knew was you know someone from his camp basically in charge of the b team so he then went to las palmas uh in the uh, start of 2022 first full season Oh, actually, not even first full season. Uh, yeah, sorry, first full season got them promoted, um, and then now he's doing fantastically in La Liga. Again, I said, great possession uh, football, an insane high line, but you know, g- 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 good defensive play as well. And again, with the profiles Barcelona have at the back, like Araujo, especially, I think it'll be even better. Um, like uh, in terms of execution for them. So tactically, I think it's a very, very good fit. But given the the history. Um, he was basically forced out by the current president. I think it's incredibly unlikely that, no matter how much money they throw at him, which again can't be a lot, as we said, um I think he he probably doesn't take it, and he shouldn't as well. Again, for his career, I think there'll be better jobs out there um than Barcelona, probably. So that's Garcia pimienta Another name uh, being linked is Roberto De Zerbi. Um, we spoke about him uh, in our previous Liverpool ep- similar Liverpool episode as well um, and about why he uh, isn't exactly ready for a big, big job yet. But Warren, why, why don't you just uh, jog our memories about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, similar issues, especially... I mean, there are two, three things. One is the heavy focus on automisms. I mean, I think it's nice. It works at Sassuolo. It works at Brighton. But I can see how it would get irritating for players in top clubs, right? I mean, see, we spoke about Mota having a lot of build-up patterns and I think he's a bit more flexible in that he has a lot of set patterns, don't get me wrong. They're very pre-programmed. But then there's a lot of flexibility. You can go long. Players can take some choices. Um, Mitchell also gives a lot of freedom while having some positional play principles. But Izabi is very, very rule-oriented or program-oriented. And I'm not sure that really works at a big club. Secondly, I'm not sure it's desired. I mean, if you look at the struggles they have in breaking mid-blocks or lower blocks or basically teams that don't press much or they press in a smart way, in a zonal way. And they start having a lot of difficulties. And then you have the whole, even he has issues in rest defense. I think a lot of it is personal related. Losing Kayserdo and McAllister was a big blow for them uh, for Brighton this year. But yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a great sight to see them getting back 3-0, 4-0 every three games, you know. So, I think Desabi has, like, I can count at least three points of improvement for any top club for that matter. Whether this is United, Liverpool, Barcelona, any of these jobs that open up. I think he's probably two years away, needs to work on these things, needs to lean in a bit towards player solutions in possession so that he can dismantle blocks and also needs to improve a bit on the out-of-possession principles so that, you know, he, he can uh, avoid some of these games where they're overwhelmed defensively. So, I wouldn't say he should go to Barcelona. It might be similar or worse to Javi in terms of being not too ready for the big job yet.
0: Yeah, and I think also, another thing think we mentioned for the Liverpool job was the fact that he relied heavily on having a, a good recruitment team behind him to get him the exact type of players he wants, Um, and, and you know, you wonder how much of that will translate Barcelona. And I also wonder actually how much his exact specific playing style will translate, especially in, in, in terms of midfield profiles, to, to the sort of, you know, advanced eights, the interiors that they call that Barcelona have. So. There's a fair few concerns, actually. I'm, I'm, To be honest, I'm not even sure if at any point in his career, Barcelona is the right club for him. But regardless, I think right now, it's uh, definitely not a good idea. So here's our final, well, our second last shout. This one uh, came about when, uh, before the podcast, the guys asked me to b- bring out the third choice Neil and, and, and think of a, a third choice option. And actually, for once, it was not actually too bad. Um, it's someone who knows the club uh, because he's actually been there in the past. Uh, I think if you don't get anyone else, it's worth asking Ernesto Valverde if he wants to leave Athletic Club again. Um, obviously, he's done that for the last decade. Basically, he's been alternating between Athletic Club uh, and uh, Barcelona. And yeah, I mean, he 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 solves the issues they're facing right now, right? He has a very solid defensive uh, organization. Uh, I would say Athletic Club's, you know, mid-block to mid-press is arguably the best and most compact, certainly, in La Liga. In possession, he's 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 not the best in the world for sure, um, but he he gets the job done. He puts the people in the places they're supposed to be, and then Barcelona have the quality all over the attack, especially to let the players do the damage. Um so I think that's not a concern for them really. And he as long as he sorts out the defensive stuff, the rest defense as well, which he does, I think, I think the job's done for him. So I think Ernesto Valverde is if 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 you don't get any of your top picks, I think he's a very solid backup option to have. But again, obviously that is if he wants to leave Athletic Club because they're in a pretty good place right now. He's been at Barcelona before, hasn't exactly I mean, I don't think his stint was terrible, but Fans weren't exactly the happiest um, when he was leaving. So, there's that uh, factor to consider as well. But yeah, I think he's he's a a decent option um, to have. I think Varun has some thoughts.
1: I actually like Valverde. I mean, similar to my feelings with Emery at Arsenal
0: um, or Nagelsmann at Bayern. I
1: think these managers...
0: No way, are you mentioning Emery at Arsenal and Nagelsmann Bayern under the same brand. No, no, no. I'll tell you. That's all (laughs) right.
1: I'm getting to the similarity, uh, not in terms of level, not in terms of results. The similarity is that they all did well with what they had or what they were given. They did the best with resources and tactically they were getting it right and their teams were actually achieving stuff. But a lot of non-football reasons above them, uh, mainly board-related or recruitment-related, where reasons cited for their downfall and they all just got a bad rep for it i mean if someone thinks Nagelsmann isn't good today because he got sacked by Bayern that's really not on him same for Emery at Arsenal and he's gone and proven that otherwise same for Valverde at Barcelona and he's proving it now so yeah i think these guys have all been hard done i think Valverde is also hard done. i think he's a very good manager Barcelona would be lucky to have him again i just don't think he's going to join them again i and i think from seeing his press conferences and the way he's spoken about Barcelona post-leaving, I think he's also a little bit of, there's a bit of a screw you attitude from him as well. Just a very light undertone of, yeah, I'm not going into that shit again. So, again, I don't think it happens. But yeah, I mean, I I like the manager.
0: Fair enough. Um, Right, then, our final, final pick is a very simple one, uh, which is that if you don't get anyone, uh, you do the classic Barcelona thing of promoting your B-team manager. And in this case, it is Rafa Marquez. Uh, so right, guys, who's been watching the Barcelona B-team? You. <laughs> wait, 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 when was this my job? Yeah, I
2: don't know. If, right, if you're watching, like, the the Hong Kong B-team, which B. I'm sure you are every week, then you've got no excuse not to be watching <laughs> Barca B.
0: Uh, well, yeah, I have bad news for you. I haven't really been following them, so... I do you know, only know what? Apologize. You fell off. <laughs> uh, but, I like uh... the old Neil. So guys,
1: <laughs> because Neil hasn't done his job, we have nothing
0: to say about Rafa yeah. yeah. It's all Neil's uh, fault. My sincere apologies, guys.
2: I don't know about you, Viral, but I, I saw, do you know what? The other night, Barca B were playing um, someone, and I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I looked at that, I could watch it, and I thought, you know what? No. That's Neil's job. Neil, I know Neil would watch that. There's no need for me to do this. You I'll do something down, more Neil. useful. You yeah. Let him down.
0: I'm, I'm so sad. Sorry, Alex. My my sincerest apologies. Um, but yeah, in 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 all seriousness, I think, it, obviously not from a you know tactical point of view, but from a logical point of view, he's obviously going to have the playing style and all that the club wants. And there's the whole thing about he knows the club and he knows the job he's getting into. Um, he knows the club. <laughs> And uh, um, he, yeah. Uh, you know, for all the other managers, as we said, this is a risk to take in your careers. But I mean, for Marquez, it's yeah. I mean, like his 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 coaching experience is basically, uh, just the uh, the Barcelona B team really, and I think some youth team in uh somewhere else in Spain. But he's he only had a couple years of experience. Um. So if you're getting a Barcelona job two years into your uh. Coaching career, having never coached a senior team, there's no reason to say no. So yeah, I think if Barcelona get actually no,
1: think in in all of our picks, the two most realistic ones. I mean, forget fitment and all. There's a yeah, very good chance. To happen. Yeah, likely to happen. One is among Hansi Flick and Rafa Marquez. I mean, yeah. they look like the two who would. Why would they say no? I mean, they're like, yeah, why not? I mean, if they were offered the job, they would say, yeah, why not? Everyone else probably more likely say why would
0: I take the Barca job,
1: but these two guys probably will just go like, why not?
0: Yeah, I think that's spot on. So that rounds us off uh, nicely for the episode. Unless anyone has something to add, Um, do you want to slate me again for not watching the third tier of Spanish football?
2: No, I'll say Vincent Company might also be okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. shot I think Uh,
2: that to be fair, that is just as an ending point. You know, I think that kind of ties into also the Liverpool thing where where we would get these managers from like is different to what might have been in the past like in the premier League for example and my main point against the thomas frank idea is uh that maybe there are similarities to his play style but uh, i again a weaker example but like y- y- you should be less willing to promote someone who's been doing good lower down in your premier league table and you should be more willing to go for someone Based off like style of play matches, and Vincent and Company would be the interesting answer because Burnley are obviously terrible. But if you put Barcelona's players in um, Burnley's style of play or Company's style of play in these tactics, would you see more of an uptick similar to what Burnley did in the Championship? Um, so yeah, that, that that's my only argument for Company, and he is also like my ninth choice.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's a good for for two block. I'll give him that. Um, so. Certainly, new one aspect where they improved, improve um but yeah i think with that we are done for this episode so thank you very much for listening and thanks to you guys for joining me you can find all of us on twitter i am at shalat neil varun runs the at devil's dna account and alex is your Expert underscore and also if you go to the at Get football eu account you will find in the bio the handles and links to all our country and league specific accounts across the major european leagues so do follow those uh as we head into the second half of the season um to, to be updated with what's going on all over the place not just our league of course uh, very interesting stories all over um, and of course we also have the AFCON and asian cup just about ending right now so you can uh, be updated with everything uh, if you follow those accounts uh, the links to all of that is in the description or show notes depending on where you're listening so you can find them there as well um, if your app does allow it please do rate the podcast uh, if you enjoyed it and please do share it if you can as well but thanks for listening uh thanks alex and, Warren, and we'll be back next week with hopefully not an episode where we have to discuss 10 managers but let's see uh take care until then bye-bye